Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome into the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexanero Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Thursday, March the 4th, 2021. And on today's podcast, we're going to do a deep dive into UK basketball recruiting with my friend and colleague and UK recruiting writer, Ben Roberts, who does the Next Cat site and who covers recruiting for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Uh, we talked to Ben about uh, a little bit about this season, but we talked more about uh, he has a story about Sky Clark, a UK commitment. Uh, about what's up with him. We talked about who's left out there that Kentucky might be recruiting. We also talked about what the roster might look like next year uh, for for the season, for the 21-22 UK season, uh, which, of course, depends a lot about on depends a lot on uh, how many players come back from this season. Uh, ben and I also talked about uh, this new league that apparently is going to try to start up with high schoolers uh, where the league actually pays the high schoolers. Uh, Therefore, they would be forfeiting their chance to play high school or college basketball, but they're going to try to get the elite players by paying the the top prospects to pay for this new league. And we also talked about Reed Shepard, of course. Uh, Everybody's talking about Reed Shepard, the star down at North Laurel, sophomore star who's kind of uh, taken the state by storm is a big topic, especially considering uh, Reed's parents. And he's going to be playing in Lexington this weekend. So we talked about that as well. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. My conversation with Ben Roberts of the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is Ben Roberts, UK recruiting writer for the Lexington Arrow Leader, the 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 engine behind the Next Cat site uh, on Kentucky.com. Ben, how's it going? Good, John. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Kentucky, uh, we're going to talk recruiting. We'll talk a little bit about uh, how they are. They're going in to play South Carolina and the regular season finale on Saturday. Kentucky, of course, 8-15 and 15, uh, right now. Let me ask you. And this has come up a couple of times when I think uh, people have been asking Jay Lucas when he UK assistant who's been on the when he's on the Zoom call the before game sometimes about how is recruiting going considering they're eight and fifteen. Do you think it's affected recruiting at all? I don't. I don't really see much of an impact. I, I think uh, basically everybody's just kind of seeing this as an anomaly type of year, and I think it helps Kentucky's case that. You know, Duke's having their struggles and Carolina has had their struggles and, and a lot of these quote unquote blue bloods and, and top tier programs um, aren't performing the way they usually do. 
so I, I really don't I haven't seen much of an impact. I haven't heard anything that makes me think there's any big impact when you talk to high school coaches and kids and recruiting analysts and every everybody still I mean Kentucky is is still the the number one or number two uh, program uh, as far as status on the recruiting trail. So I, I think you'd have to have two or three seasons like this for for something you know really drastic to 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 change that perception. Well, I know. Well, one of the reasons I asked you that is uh, we're going to talk about Sky Clark, who you wrote about, uh, Kentucky commitment. It's online now at Kentucky.com. And I noticed in the story he said it hadn't affected him as far as his feelings towards UK about Kentucky. In fact, he's, didn't he say something to the effect of even though they're 8-15, and 15, you still, that's all you hear about Kentucky, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. His dad, who's who's tuned in and, and knows people at different uh, programs and, and follows it closely. Uh, yeah, he, he was. He's kind of. It sounded kind of taken aback that Kentucky's getting all the attention for for losing so much this season. And he kind of took that as, as uh, you know, kind of proof that that they are the the number one talking point uh, in college basketball. Right. Obviously, Duke's up there too. Uh, it seems like those are one and one A. However, you want to order them, but. Right. Um, he thought the fact that, uh, you know, they, they have a losing record and they're having their struggles and, and that's been one of the main talking points for the last few months is just kind of further, uh, proof of, of their status. And yeah, you talk to, you talk to people like that and, and they don't see any sort of long-term, um, ramifications or, or any, any sign that this is going to continue into the future. I, I think, most people, especially in recruiting circles, feel like Kentucky is going to be a preseason top twenty-five team again, again next season, and and be one of the one of the higher seeds in the tournament, and, and have a chance to make a run in March, uh, assuming they can get some sort of you know regular off season and, and preseason to, to get everybody on the same page. Uh, talking about Scott Clark, I know one of the big questions about him, especially among Kentucky fans now that he, you know, is committed to Kentucky, is is he going to reclassify? But uh, in your story, it's, it's sure they seem to be pretty uh, intent on not classifying, uh, not reclassifying, right? Yeah, I think uh, part of the thing is they've been so open and honest about it from from pretty early in the process and in the past when we've seen parents and kids be that open and honest uh, about the possibility of it it usually means they've oftentimes it means they've already made up their decision that they're gonna do it because because <laughs> in most cases you see people that you know from talking to people behind the scenes this player is going to reclassify at some point it's just a matter of when he's announcing it and the kid will say oh no that's not even uh, in the discussions and the dad will say well i don't know where you're hearing that and then three months later they're reclassified <laughs> so it, it was refreshing that that the clark family was was so open and honest because they they have and they still are to a certain extent it sounds like um thinking about it but uh, i think the perception was out there that they were going to do it just because of, of past players and what they had done but you know from talking to him Really, it wasn't just yesterday's conversation, but the last couple times we've talked, I, I just get the sense that um, that that they're going to stay in school another year and, and stay in that 2022 class because he is he's about the same age as Devin Askew. He, he's a, a year behind Devin Askew, basically, so the same age. And Devin obviously reclassified and, and is one of the youngest players I'd imagine in all of college basketball this season. Um, so he's in this guy's in his right grade right now. Um, and I think the way his junior season has gone um, might even add more fuel to the idea that 
that you know maybe we we go back to high school for another year try to get a normal high school season in and 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 go from there and and be their 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 big thing is they want to be as prepared as possible when he gets to Kentucky to make a, an immediate impact uh, and, and be a really key player and uh you know you you can only get better at that age and I think another year would would probably do him wonders and as you as you point out in the story you talk about having you know coming back next year and having a normal high school year he's not had a normal high school year this year. No, and it, you know they they moved to they he grew up in the Los Angeles area and his sophomore year was just a, a tremendous one of the best sophomores in the country out there, and they moved to Nashville in April right after COVID uh, really hit here in the United States, but that was a move that they had been planning for months. Um, they had planned to move to Nashville for that junior season and. You know, they didn't explicitly say it at the time, but I always got the vibe that they knew then that Kentucky was going to be the place and they they wanted to be a little closer to Lexington, wanted to be in a place where they could come up and visit and really get to know the program and the coaches and everything so they'd be as prepared as possible uh, when he got here as a college player. So they went ahead and did the move anyway. Um, he, he enrolled in one school. Uh, and then went to another school right before basketball season started. Both were really good academic schools down there. And then he he scored 51 points in his first game for his new school, which was a school record, and was off to just a great – he was averaging close to 30 points a game, hitting close to 40% from his threes. Um, but uh, it sounded like COVID really, really hit that family hard. His dad got it really bad, he told me yesterday i mean he it really knocked him out um he was a he's a former nfl player and he said he'd never experienced anything like that and both of uh his daughters both the sky's sisters uh got it at certain points everybody's okay now but um i think that really hit home how serious it could be and they he and his little brother who was a freshman for the team ended up opting out of the season um a few weeks after his his dad got it so I think he only got 11 games in and it was kind of a stop start thing. And obviously, um, you know, under circumstances where they, you couldn't practice with the team like you normally would, you couldn't bond with the team like you normally would. So it sounds like they're keeping a really positive attitude about, about everything, but uh, you know, obviously it wasn't the, the, the most optimal, uh, situation that, that they ended up in. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, getting a, Hopefully, we're to a point in a few months where things will be relatively back to normal, and and uh, getting a getting a somewhat normal season, I, I think would would really benefit uh, benefit everybody. Uh, anything else about Sky Clark before you want to mention? Uh, I mean, I encourage everybody to go on Kentucky dot com and and read the story. But uh, uh, anything else before we move on? Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see him. He's going to play. Um, with Mocan Elite and on the Nike circuit this spring and summer, actually, I guess they start here in the next few weeks. Um, and that is one of the best programs. One of the, you know, every year it seems like they're, they're winning games and competing for that league's championship. So I'm really eager to see him play against the other best players in the class. Cause we haven't seen that with any of these 2022 guys, you know, he, the last time coaches were allowed to see Sky in person was he was still a, in his sophomore season of high school uh, before COVID hit. They there were there was no Nike League net last year. There were really no 
situations where these top players got together and, and played against each other for, for any amount of time. So, uh, you know, Sky is one of the ones at the top of my list I want to see, but it's it's going to be really refreshing um, and, and enlightening to, to see these guys play against each other uh, over these next few months. And then hopefully we'll be in a spot safe enough to where college coaches can get back out there in July and, and they can see them and, and have have their opinions and i think we'll get a better feel of, of who kentucky and some others are recruiting at that point okay well that moves us that segues us on to our next <laughs> to our next topic as kentucky winds down winds down you know obviously a disappointing season they do have that after the south carolina game they do have the sec tournament next week which is their like last gasp effort to try to get in the ncaa who else is out there that kentucky might be recruiting and and let's talk about the roster a little bit about you know, who else is out there and who might be coming back from this team? Yeah. I mean, the coming back part, uh, is kind of a multi-layered question because there's, I mean, there's always, uh, you know, some, there's always a lot of uncertainty with these Kentucky right. off seasons. It seems like, uh, I think the most certain things are that Isaiah Jackson, Brandon Boston, um, Terrence Clark and, and, uh, Olivier Saar will, will all be gone, but that still leaves you with seven scholarship players. Uh, and there's some really interesting cases in those seven. And obviously, depending on who returns from those seven, along with Oscar Shibway, who's, who's a transfer who will be eligible next season, uh, really is going to go a long way to, you know, to, to see how Cal finalizes this roster and, and figures out what he's doing uh, from a roster standpoint for next season. So I, you know, I, the, of those seven, I still think there's, there's a ton of uncertainty there. I think Jacob Toppin and Lance Ware are probably at the top of the list of, of guys that we would expect to come back. Mm-hmm. I think Devin Askew and Dante Allen are, are in that next tier of, of guys that, that would probably come back. Although, you know, there's obviously, there's, <laughs> there's always uncertainty um, when guys struggle or when, when guys aren't playing as much. Um, and then Cam Fletcher, his situation, we'll see what happens there. And, and then two of the two of the biggest and two of the ones who I think will will go a long way to figure out what this roster looks like are Davion Mintz and Keon Brooks. And there, there is okay. legitimate chatter out there that Davion might might come back for another season. He's in that grad program. Um, if he came back, he could not only complete his grad degree, but get – what we hope is a, a normal season as a Kentucky basketball player uh, playing in front of fans and, and uh, you know, getting, accl- you know, he, none of these guys had any chance to get acclimated to the program or the coaches or anything like that. So uh, I, I think, I think he would enjoy, obviously everybody wanted that. So I, I think if he came back, he could not only be a huge part of the team, but would probably get a lot out of it personally. And then with Keon, he's not on any NBA draft boards right now. I don't, I can't see him getting drafted at this point. He's probably only got two or three more games to, to, to show anything you, unless they do make that run in the sec tournament. Um, so we'll see what he decides to do. Uh, you know, if they, he's also a guy who didn't get a whole year. Yeah. He didn't get a whole year. He got hurt on top of, um, dealing with what everybody else had to deal with. So he, even more so than anybody else on the team, uh, with the exception of Terrence Clark, I guess, really um, got got cheated out of a out of a college a season of college basketball. Uh, so you know, it, it is obviously super rare for a 
John Calipari out-of-state scholarship player to play more than two seasons here, but Keon's situation's also a lot different than, than some others. So, And I think you talk to anybody and just watch the games, I, I don't think it would surprise anybody if he was an all-SEC first-team selection as a junior if he mm-hmm. – if he came back and and uh, continued to improve and, and show what he could do, so you know, I, it, it no matter what Keon does, I think the front court's going to be in pretty good shape because you got Oscar, you got Damian Collins, who will be their top freshman, and then you would think that Jacob Toppin, uh, Lance Ware would be there. Bryce Hopkins is another kind of small ball four, bigger three. And then Keon would, I mean, that's a ton in the front court. Um, even if Davion came back they're going to be lacking in the backcourt and that's where they need people. And that's why Sky Clark's situation was so interesting. And now that it looks like he's not going to reclassify, that's where, and that's where they've already been, um, you know, channeling uh, their, their attention on, on getting at least one. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a couple more guards. Um, It's just, it's difficult to see where it's going to come from right now because the three, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the three five-star guards that they've that they've extended scholarship offers to Jaden Hardy, he's waiting until next month to make a decision. But I, I think Kentucky would be a upset at this point. I think most people expect him to go pro, likely to the G League's program. Hunter Salas, I just every week I feel like I hear something else that makes me think there's not much of a chance he ends up here. I think that would be a, a pretty big surprise at this point. I, I, I would imagine Gonzaga is going to be where he goes. And then Trevor kills, they made a, who I think would be a great addition and a great fit. Um, they made a late offer too, but everybody still think seems to think it's going to be Duke or Villanova for him. And then you got Brandon Podzemski, who's an interesting case out of Wisconsin, 45% three point shooter, great score in high school, not nearly as highly ranked as those guys. Um, he kept Kentucky on his final five list, but I'm not hearing a whole lot to make me think he's a priority for them, at least at this point. Maybe that changes once their season's over and, and they they kind of show their hand a little bit more. Um, but I I would at this point I'd be surprised if he ends up here. So. That kind of runs the, you know, it runs down the list of the high school guys they're recruiting. So then you turn to the transfer wire, which I think is where they're they're probably going to have to end up. Um, and you know, there's always good players there, but it, it always has to be the right fit. It has to be the right fit, personality wise and player wise. And that's you know, it's tough to bank on. You can't just assume that there's going to be like a Carly Jones type talent out there. That's going to fit everything that you want uh, on your roster and in your program every year. And they might need two of those guys or might need one of those guys and another Davion Mintz or something like that. So right. um, that that's going to be the most interesting part uh, of the next, uh, whenever this Kentucky season's in, season ends, the, the few weeks that, that follow that is, is where do they get guard help? Because no matter what happens, unless, unless BJ Boston just all of a sudden decides he wants to come back um, or Terrence Clark wants to come back, which uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, uh, they're going to have to get at least one more guard and, and it, it's hard to see where it's coming from right now, but it, it looks like it's going to have to be a transfer. I would imagine. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. 
Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, when you look around, when you look at the SEC this year, and you look at who is at the top of the league this year, uh, both of those teams, Alabama and Arkansas, they've have they have transfers on uh, on their yeah. roster who've made a big difference, uh, especially when I think of Arkansas uh, with the uh, you know uh, the Smith kid who came from Indiana, uh, Tate who came from uh, Northern Kentucky. Uh, you know, they've, they've had guys who have really Musselman and Eric Musselman has done a really good job of identifying guys who would fit into his program and do what he wants them to do. They've made a difference. If you look at Alabama, obviously now Bruner was hurt. Jalen Bruner, mm-hmm. a grad transfer from Yale. He was hurt, but he's still a good player. He's back now. Um, Quinterly kid from Villanova, you know, he's played a role in what they've done. Uh, and I kind of wrote about this earlier in the week. I think that's going to be more and more, especially when the NCAA finally passes this immediate eligibility rule, one-time transfer rule. I think that's, you know, I think that's where, you know, we're going to see more and more of that. And I can't imagine that Cal isn't going to want to be in on that and in on that hard. Yeah, man, Mutz was ahead of the curve on that out in Nevada. I mean, he, he really <laughs> yeah, you look you at those Nevada North Carolina State, those two the brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he got a few. I mean, he he got a few different players, um, and and was really able to build his roster in that way. And people wondered if he was going to do it as much when he got to Arkansas. And I I think it, he's he's worked out a great mix of of how to do that, and has obviously had a lot of success with it. And yeah, I mean, I, and Kentucky's coaches haven't been shy about the fact that they're going to have to go that route, especially with the G League kind of taking. I mean, I I, I think that's something that's going to be here to stay for at least a few years, and the G League's going to take four or five or six of the top guys every year. Um, it's not a given like it was. 10 years ago that, that the very best players are going to go to the Kentuckys and the Dukes. We've seen, we've seen a lot of instances of guys going to, to non blue blood teams that are, that are ranked in that range in the last few years. And I think that's going to continue. Um, so yeah, they're going to have to go that transfer route. They know they're going to have to go that route. Uh, and I, I know they've been monitoring that throughout the season and you always keep your ears perked. I imagine for, for hearing different things about who might, be looking to get out or who might be interested in your program. And I think once I, the floodgates are going to open, once this, uh, once this basketball season ends and once individual teams end, we're going to be seeing a whole lot of announcements about, oh, yeah. about guys putting their names in the transfer portal. And uh, it's, it's going to be a lot to sort through uh, Kentucky's in a, especially looking for those guards. They're in a great, I think they're in a great situation because they're obviously Kentucky and they have the track record. And a lot of times guys looking to leave, especially the graduate transfers, they're, they're looking to go somewhere where they can play a lot of minutes, uh, preferably with other good players and not just win from a team aspect, but prove themselves, uh, prove whatever is lacking to pro scouts and there's with the way this roster looks like it's going to be constructed, there's going to be a major opportunity for for a really, really good guard to uh, to come in here and and do some damage. So I, I would think anybody uh, who fits that kind of like Carly Jones style, uh, right. you know, That's you know, the tier is, yeah, is going to is going to 
see a lot to like about Kentucky's situation next season. Yeah, and as we've talked about before on the podcast, if you take Carlick Jones and put him on this roster, I think it would have been a whole lot of – of course, he would make a big difference on just about any roster, but I think he would have yeah. definitely made a huge difference on this one because he's not only a point guard who scores, but he can also distribute and get other guys involved and make the other guys around him better. So, yeah, that's the kind of player I'm sure that – you know, Cal would love to have, love to get for next year. You mentioned about the G League and what kind of influence with their, their kind of development thing that they've done this year uh, and and are going to continue in the next few years, it sounds like. But there's another league that apparently is trying to get in on high schoolers as well. Uh, the news of that kind of broke here in the last day or so. What, what about this thing? What Explain what this yeah. thing is and what, what does this mean exactly? Uh if you well, know, I'll, if I'll you do, know, I'll do, yeah, I'll do my best to explain it. <laughs> and it's something that's been, it was announced, um, today, but it's something that's been in the works and it's been talked about in recruiting circles for a little bit now. Uh, and the, the, the league is called overtime elite and I'm sure probably anybody who's listening to a recruiting podcast knows what overtime is, or if they don't, they've seen the videos, um, that overtime puts out. They're, uh, they've been around a few years and they're at a lot of the high school games. They, they have, I mean, they, they do great video work. They do a lot of really cool stuff. They've gotten in the last couple of years on, um, recruiting announcements. In fact, I think Sky Clark, uh, I believe Sky Clark announced his commitment to Kentucky, uh, through that overtime yeah. network. Yeah. Uh, back in, um, October, I think it was, but so they're very, uh, I mean, the kids know the, anybody who's a five-star recruit right now definitely knows what overtime is. They're very uh, ingrained in, in grassroots basketball. Uh, they have a very high profile, but what they're doing is a lot different from what the G leagues program is, even from what like LeVar ball and some of these other people have, have tried to do. Uh, they're actually, it sounds like, and there's a lot of details that still need to come out, but they're going to be going after guys who are still in high school and basically setting up a league, uh, for guys while they're in high school to be in this overtime elite league and make a minimum, um, $100,000 salary. There's going to be health benefits. There's going to be some sponsorship opportunities with shared revenue. Uh, there's going to be kind of a, a, a safety net. Uh, the number is a hundred thousand dollars to go to college. If you decide not to go play pro basketball right after you leave this league, uh, the, they, they say they're, they, they think they, they can get 30, uh, players from around the world to do this starting in September, Wow, 30 times a hundred thousand uh, <laughs> the numbers are adding up here. That's right. Uh, that's a lot of money we're talking about to, to get this thing off the ground. Um, and that's just salaries and health benefits and, and this college scholarship situation. And that doesn't include the housing and the resources and everything that goes into actually putting the league on. So th- this, th- this is one of those things that I think until we actually see it, a lot of people, rightfully so are going to be skeptical about this deal. And I would hope that the players that they're going after will be skeptical about this, because if you do this, this is basically your high school team. This, you don't do this and play high school. You're ineligible to play high school basketball and you're ineligible to play college basketball as the rules stand right now. And they're being very upfront about that, but that's a, 
that's a pretty big deal. If, if you're asking kids at age 16 to make a decision like that, that basically forfeits any kind of college basketball career, uh, three, four years down the road. Um, that's, that's pretty serious stuff. And if I were advising any of these kids or a, a parent or, you know, a coach or anything, you got to really think about that and mm-hmm. think about how, I mean, they sound serious. They've got NBA type people and, you know, running the show for them, but this is something that isn't even off the ground yet. So if you go this route and it, it fails or flounders or doesn't work out, you're, you, you got a lot of problems if you were hoping right. to play college or pro basketball. Um, so again, a lot of details still need to come out. It, it, it's incredibly ambitious to put it lightly. And the fact that they're going to try to start this thing up in September is even more ambitious. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm not, I'm not too optimistic. We'll be talking about this. this, Yeah. Two or three years from now, uh, I'll keep an open mind, but yeah, I'd like to see some more details and see how it goes between now and September. The other thing I, you know, I think the, the biggest question that, you know, just a, a college, it's, it's fascinating to people like me and you, I think, but I think a normal college basketball fan, especially a Kentucky fan wants to know, does this affect Kentucky recruiting at all? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and I would, I would say it does, it shouldn't affect it much at all. One, I, I think it's from that aspect, the fact that they're going after high school kids and not, not trying really to be a college alternative at that level, uh, basically Kentucky knows if they're recruiting a kid and they choose to go this route, then that's it. Like they, you know, it's not like you've, you've signed a, a kid like uh, UCLA did with Deshaun Nix last year, thought Deshaun Nix was coming to UCLA. And then at the last minute he says, Oh no, I'm going to the G league. Like that's not going to happen in this situation. You're, you're right. It's going to be, Oh, I'm, I'm recruiting this sophomore and he's decided to do this. I've got plenty of time to, to come up with another, another plan. Um, and then, and and Kentucky's coaches have, will will be pretty honest about this and have been. I think the type of kid that is going to go this route isn't the type of kid that Kentucky usually recruits. Um, they they have done a good job of recruiting the big picture guys. I know Terrence Clark did talk to the G League when that whole thing was going on, but they've been very good about getting in and getting to know kids and their families. And they knew that Isaiah Todd was not going to play college basketball a whole lot earlier than a lot of other schools did. They knew Deshaun Nix was, was going to be a possibility to go that way. They knew Jalen Green was likely to go that way. And they just backed off and they decided, hey, we're going to go recruit some other guys instead and not put all our eggs in this basket. So I think from that standpoint, I, I don't think this really affects Kentucky basketball that much uh it will be interesting to see if any big names jump at this though because um it, it it's it's an interesting layout I, I like you said though i'm skeptical well how are they going to make their money off this thing i mean are they going to that's a good question sell the game i mean are they going to have like their own network and show these games are they going to go around to different places and play games and do it that way i mean how how, how are they going to get a return on their investment i guess is what i'm asking yeah, or I mean, they have they they haven't they haven't really spelled that out yet, um, at least publicly. And they they have said this is going to be something that's going to be 
televised is the wrong word because it's going to be through streaming services. Right. It's going to be, you know, in that area. And they are, I mean, they're, they've, they've, I don't know what their revenue is, but they've, they've, they're a wildly popular company that has not been around that long. So they know how to tap in and get people's attention and get people's eyeballs. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's one thing to do it that way and do it the way they've been doing it. And then just to build this league from scratch, uh, with a whole lot of uncertainty around it and to make it profitable, not just for them, but, uh, you know, you have to make it profitable for the players that you're getting or the other players that come in behind them are going to see that and say, well, you know, these guys went this route and got screwed. I'm not going to do that. And then you're not going to have a league cause there's not going to be anybody to play in it. And a, a big question I have with this is they they're talking about 30 players and they're talking about not having traditional teams which sounds to me like they're going to have more of like a camp they're going to have events Mm -hmm. and they're going to have more of camp settings and I can tell you right now that college basketball coaches and pro scouts hate camp settings you 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 it's it's you do not learn hardly anything from these camp settings Mm -hmm. you can kind of see some habits you can see some stuff but but coaches want to see how players play and act with players that they know and and in systems and and how they evolve in those systems Mm -hmm. throwing together a bunch of players in a camp and and seeing what they do is not really an indicator of of much of anything when it comes to high level basketball. So I, I, you know, I, I, I again, open-minded, I'll, I've, I'm <laughs> interested to see where this goes. Cause I think it's fascinating, but I, I hope, I hope nobody gets burned by this and right. I hope whatever happens here is, is highly, highly organized. Um, and, and people come out of it, uh, better, better than what they went in, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Well, you know, from what I, from what little I know about it, but it seems like to me, with both what the G League is doing, like taking the cream of the crop guys who want to go on and skip college and go into more of a like a developmental situation with the G League, and maybe with this thing, it's trying to emulate like European soccer or what others, yeah, what other academy style, yeah, yeah, academy style where you know. Uh, school instead of, or even like tennis, uh, go back to uh, tennis. What you know, I used to cover a lot, I played tennis and used to cover a lot of tennis. And you bet the best kids in the country would go down to Nick Boletari's camp and their, their academy or another academy, and they would live there and go to school there. But uh, it was a camp type setting there where they got instruction when they were basically focusing on getting better at tennis, playing against other players, top competition, and that was the draw. Uh, that was the incentive to do that. I'm not sure that that I can see where people think, Hey, we can do the same thing with basketball, but I'm, I'm a little skeptical uh, as well as to whether it's, it's really a true fit for basketball. Yeah. 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 And tennis and the the individual sports is one thing. And in the soccer academies in Europe, they're so highly organized and they, and they have set teams like they have the Chelsea Academy team and Liverpool, you know, they've got their, and they're, they're doing it together. Um, And it is, it does sound like it's going to be like that. They've said they're down to, I don't know what the two cities are, but they're down to two cities where they're going to have a campus and it's going to be an Academy style setting. But I just don't, if, again you're forfeiting college so if your goal is to go to the pro basketball i just don't know how you go into this thing and and you get the eyeballs from the nba scouts of 
right. of, oh yeah, he, he, he's better off by doing this than by either going the G League route or going to college basketball. Right. I, I, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, we spent a lot of time on that, but that, but it's very interesting. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, okay. Since this is a recruiting podcast, we are not uh, under under uh, con- both Kentucky and federal law. We're not allowed to have a podcast on recruiting in Kentucky without talking about Reed Shepard. But we have a reason to talk about Reed Shepard. We have a couple of reasons to talk about Reed Shepard. Uh, Pat Forty and Sports Illustrated uh, on SI.com uh, profiled Reed and about the coming uh, uh, story. Uh, well, it's already a story it's going to be even more of a story in the next couple of years about uk and reed shepherd considering who uh reed's parents happen to be uh but also uh reed's going to be he's going to be making a local appearance this weekend correct yeah he'll be a lexington catholic um they play uh, north oral plays uh ashland blazer on friday night and then they play against lexington catholic on saturday at two o'clock and that the saturday at two o'clock game will be on the cw um televised on the cw here in town so anybody who gets that channel which is uh get it over the air if you got an antenna too so right. tune in at two o'clock for that and reed shepherd lexan you know they might be the number two team in the state i think that's where ap had them most recently uh lexington catholic i think is a lot of people's number one team they've got ben johnson who's a mr basketball uh front runner i would imagine uh, he's going to Bellarmine. He's a he's a great great player. And then they've got uh, John McCreer, Vince Marrow's nephew, just transferred in as a six eight sophomore. And they're mm-hmm. they're kind of looks like they're kind of easing him into the rotation. Um, but he projects as a as a really good shot blocker, rim protector. Uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how he progresses over the next couple of years. But obviously, everybody's going to be watching Reed Shepard and. Uh, every, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably don't need to be told who Reed Shepard is or the numbers he's put up, uh, this season and, and, uh, the accolades that I'm sure to come in the next couple of seasons. So, um, yeah, he'll, and if you haven't seen him play and have only seen highlights on YouTube or whatever, uh, CW at two o'clock, you can catch him not only in a game, but against the best team in the state and against another really good guard and ben johnson yeah but yeah we're, we won't talk a whole lot about him here because we we're going to be talking about a whole lot about him over the next yeah. <laughs> couple of years and when you know and we've talked about him some before and then on a podcast i did with uh jared peck our high school writer at the arrow leader who had just seen him play we talked about him as well it does sound like though to this point and who knows that he seems to be handling everything pretty well i mean as uh, as well as could be expected considering you're a sophomore in high school and uh, all of a sudden all you've gotten all this attention is kind of swooped down on you is that what you've heard yeah. that so far yeah and i think it, it's a great setup for him to be not only the parents that he has two parents who have been through not only a recruiting process but have been through all the eyeballs on them and and right. uh and have been in that fishbowl aspect and the fact that his team right now is a team of guys that he grew up playing with. I mean, right. he's, he's known these kids. He's played with these kids since he was in grade school uh, or, or even earlier in a lot of cases. So it's they, it's a really, um, you know, insulated. So probably the wrong word, but it, it's a it's a it's a tight knit group down there. Um He's, I'm sure he's very comfortable where he is, and, and the people around him are really looking out for him and know what to look for. So I think it's 
I think it's a great setup. I think that's the best setup he could be in at this point. But man, he's you know <laughs> the next couple yeah. years are going yeah. to be wild when it comes to the attention that's going to be put on him. Um, uh, you know, just from a statewide perspective, I don't know that we've you know we saw it a little with Dante Allen. Uh, we've seen it with some other recruits in the past, Darius Miller and Chris Lofton. But uh, th- this is him being the, the son of two UK stars. It's going to be a different thing. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know, Jeff Shepard, his father, Reed's father is Jeff Shepard, who was a star on the 98 Kentucky National Championship team, was the MVP of the final, most outstanding player, I think they call it, in the Final Four. And then his uh, his mother is Stacy Reed, uh, probably one of the best high school players player uh kentucky girls basketball players in the in uh, history of high school basketball here in the state and was also a good player on the kentucky women's team so uh he's got very good genes but i think you're right the fact that they both played a very high profile college programs uh at program at kentucky you know they've kind of been through it uh and i think that has to help in this situation no matter how crazy it's going to get and it, and it is going to get crazy <laughs> so it's already as crazy it's just going to get crazier yeah, yeah, it's gonna get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, before we wrap it up here, uh, what's going on with the next cat site? Uh, I know you've got some uh, uh, player, pa- some new player pages up. Uh, just talk about what's uh, what's new on your next cat site. Yeah, we're still, uh, you know, we we kind of transitioned over a few months ago, and we're still adding some some stuff to it. And I think we're over uh, up over twenty player pages now. So wow. we we obviously got stuff up on the guys coming in next season and Oscar Sheboy who transferred in, but I think we got about 15 or 16 on some uncommitted guys, including Reed Shepard. We were already into that 2023 class with Reed Shepard and uh, DJ Wagner, uh, who's the number one player in the country. And I think it's going to be in Reed Shepard's shadow. In that class. <laughs> uh, he's the, he obviously has great ties to Calipari with his dad is Dewan Wagner and his grandfather's Milt. Uh, so a lot of Calipari and Kentucky ties there. Um, a lot of people think if he plays college basketball at all, it's going to be for John Calipari. Uh, but uh, but all we're going to be talking about is Reed Shepard right. for the next couple of years, I think. But, yeah, so we got player pages on them with highlights, and we'll have all their latest rankings and everything and, and keep you updated on, on all those. And uh, obviously still putting the links up every day. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of new ones today, so – a lot, a lot going on, and once, um, you know, everybody I've talked to over the past few weeks, they're really excited to get back out safely, uh, hopefully in, in April, and um, the coaches won't be allowed to be back out on the trail, but the Nike leagues, Adidas leagues, that's all going to be up and going, it sounds like, in April, um, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see these guys finally get to play against each other after basically a whole you know, year plus of, right. of not being able to see that type of competition. So, and with that, we'll have a, a whole lot more stories and a, and a whole lot more analysis and, and stuff over, over the next few weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, w- obviously we've still got to be cautious. We've still got to wear a yeah. mask and do our social distancing and wash our hands. But uh, with the vaccines, it does seem like slowly, but surely we're at least inching back towards normal more of a uh, normality than we had before so that that is very good to very good to see so uh, anyway well ben as always appreciate you being on the podcast uh everybody be sure and check out ben on twitter ben roberts hl is next cat site go to kentucky.com you can find the next cat site uh anything else ben what am i leaving anything else out no i don't think so i think that 
covers it. Uh, well, we, as always, we appreciate you being on the podcast, and be sure everybody to check out all of Ben's work. Thank you again. All right. Thanks a lot, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to friend of the pod, Ben Roberts. As I said, follow Ben on Twitter, Ben Roberts HL. Check out his next cat site. Just go to Kentucky.com. You can find it there. Uh, and check out all of Ben's coverage, both in the print edition of the Herald Leader and online on Kentucky.com. We want to thank everybody who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. And remind you, you can get a sports pass, sports-only digital subscription. It's $30 for the first year. You get all of Ben's coverage. You get Jerry Tipton on UK basketball, Josh Moore on UK football. You get columns by Mark Story and myself. And you get Jared Peck on Kentucky high schools. You get all that $30 for the first year. Go to my Twitter page. You can follow me at Twitter, John Clay IV. At the top is a pinned tweet uh, where it talks about the Sports Pass uh, digital subscription. Click on that, and that'll take you right to where you can sign up. It's $30 for the first year. And like I said, as always, we appreciate everybody who supports our work at the at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. Thank everybody who supports this podcast, and you can support it by subscribing. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, tuned in google podcasts and iHeartRadio podcasts we sure appreciate everybody who listens and supports the podcast well i have plenty of coverage of the kentucky south carolina game it's the regular season finale it's a 12 o'clock start um at Rupp Arena, we'll have uh, my live updates on Kentucky.com. You can check that out. We'll have coverage leading into the game. I'll have my three takeaways after the game. Look for that on my blog, on my John Clay Sidelines page, uh, which you can find at Kentucky.com as well. Thanks again to Ben Roberts. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we'll be talking to you again soon. <laughs>